What major historical monument was once nearly dismantled and sold for scrap? And what question can you never answer yes to? Answers to those and other questions, hopefully, coming up in <laughs> this half hour of The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. Welcome to the off-ramp, a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, take a side road to sanity, and enjoy a new perspective on life. Well, Marcia, I have uh, an interesting story here, that there was a major historical monument that you know of and almost everybody in the world knows of that was once nearly dismantled and sold for scrap. Indeed. What building was nearly dismantled and sold for scrap? Let's narrow it down, Bob. It's in Asia. Southern Asia. I've never been there. Oh well, you've seen pictures, Marsh. Okay, not a, not a. Uh, it's not the Great Wall of China. It's not the. Nope. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> the Taj Mahal. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. At one point in 1835, when the Taj Mahal and all of India were under control of the British East India Company, that business, under the rule of Lord William Bentick, decided to dismantle the monument and auction off its marble to reduce expenses for the company. Hmm. Jeez Louise. <laughs> now, that, that complex was built between 1632 and 1653. It's a mausoleum. And 200 years later, a bathhouse on the property that was under disrepair was dismantled and the marble was auctioned off. That was supposedly a test run to take the whole complex down. Hmm. But the sale didn't go too well. They couldn't get the price they wanted for the materials back in England. So they decided to forget that. I didn't know that the Taj Mahal is a mausoleum. Is that right? It was built by an emperor as a mausoleum to his wife who died in childbirth. And then it eventually had his tomb as well. Okay, but it's not a, a lot of people, just one family? I two, mean, what? Two people, essentially, but 20,000 people built it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, okay, that sounds fair. So they would have, if they had succeeded in selling that, they would have had to figure out what to do with the fam, ashes. I don't or, think that was a concern for I the guess not. British East India yes, Company. Yes. I don't think they cared okay, about well, that. Okay, well, you're right. I wouldn't have guessed the Taj Mahal. Now, that incident was shrouded in myth with many British authorities denying it ever happened. But in 2005, the Archaeological Survey of India cited this incident in a case before the Indian Supreme Court. Mm. So it really did happen. And that was just one of many abuses by the East India Company. It was chartered by the Crown in 1600, and it controlled India from 1803 until 1858, when, after a mutiny, the Parliament took over the company and dismantled it. Wow. All right, I got a riddle for you. Okay. All right, I do like riddles. Okay, Bob, what question can you never answer yes to? These are, this just sounds so loaded, and from my experience with women in the past, I even hesitate to suggest <laughs> what the answer may be. It's a riddle, so yeah. it's something nobody, man or woman, can answer yes yeah, to. Yeah, it's a gotcha question. Yeah, it's a... Okay, what's the question, Marcia? The question is... Are you asleep yet? <laughs> okay, that's true. You can't answer yes to that, can you? <laughs> no, I snorted. I'm sorry. 
That's it, huh? Yeah. Save the fascinating stuff for you, and I just get right to the, <laughs> to the quickies. <laughs> Although, how many times have you been asked that question, though? Are you asleep yet? I mean, people yeah, ask that question all right. the time. It's it seems right. so stupid to ask that question. All right. I've got one for you. What American university stretches across four time zones? American university? An American mean- university. It's a college, four yeah. time zones. It's got uh, campuses in four time zones. Okay, that's what I was going to say. It's obviously... Uh, okay. And even before the web, it was in four time zones. Okay, okay, okay. I'll say, is it a, is it a military university? Or? No, it's not. No? Okay. Uh, and I don't think it's uh, Harvard or Yale. No, it's no, not. No. Just think of the biggest state we have. Texas. No. The biggest state. Alaska. Alaska. It's the University of Alaska, right? Oh, really? Yeah, because it stretches across four time zones from the community college in Kitchikan near Alaska's southeastern border with Canada to a small learning center on ADAC in the Aleutian Islands. That's a distance similar to the one between London and Moscow. Ah, And it's in one state. Well, you had me there. So the University of Alaska stretches across four time zones. Okay. If I had thought about that long enough, which I never do, I might have come up with that. Are you asleep yet? (laughs) Are you asleep yet? Okay, Okay. Bob. (laughs) According to U.S. News Magazine, the U.S. ranks number six on the promiscuity list for all the major nations. The promiscuity (laughs) list? Can you name any of the top five? Well, wait a minute. What do they mean by promiscuity? What is that? You know, futzing around with more than one person. Oh, so this is sex with more than one partner. Yes. Hmm. Yes. Okay, so we're, we're number, number what? Six. Six. So there are five countries ahead of us on this. In the major nation category. we got to work harder at this one. <laughs> I think so. What's wrong with this? Yeah, these these surprised me. Well, I don't know. I have no. I would have no idea who would be considered more promiscuous and then, open in society than uh, us. But I would have gone for Sweden, blah, blah. Okay. Uh, number five, we'll go backwards, is Australia. Hmm. That's an island. What do you expect? <laughs> number, four, <laughs> number four, the Czech Republic. Really? I, yeah. Who, who would have guessed? Number three, the Netherlands. Number two, the Germans. No kidding. Yes. And number one, this surprised me, the United Kingdom. So Great Britain is the most promiscuous yeah. nation in yeah. the world? Those uptight bowler types uh, have a lot going on there. Still waters, Bob. Still waters. <laughs> wow. I never would have thought Great Britain would be the most promiscuous nation. Huh. Did you know this? What word that we use in referring to education originally meant leisure? Say again. What word that we use in referring to education originally meant leisure? Um, As somebody who didn't like this particular institution, you'll be surprised (laughs) when you were growing up. Oh, yeah? You did not like to be in... Study hall. School. School. It comes from the Greek word S-C-H-O-L-E, which means leisure. Why? Why? Because the Greeks felt that learning was a purely leisure time activity Ah. reserved only for the upper classes or Ah. better people who deserved the time to think. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that? I I wish it were thought of as such a lofty thing now. What, education? Yeah. People take it for granted now. Oh, yeah. People do take it for granted. Yeah. But school originally meant leisure. I'll be dang. (laughs) All right. Okay. In the past, Bob, we've had some tables and chairs. Built in the Queen Anne style, which is kind of curvy legs and so mm-hmm, forth. Mm-hmm. Why were those pieces considered Queen Anne style? You know, I always wondered about that, and I thought maybe it was, did she have hair that was wavy or something well, like that? Well, that's a good guess, but no. Or dresses or wrong, something? Wrong end of her body. She oh, was really? bow-legged. <laughs> oh, you're kidding. 
So the legs on the tables yeah. and the chairs represent a bow-legged person? A bow-legged queen. I had no idea. No, me either. I thought that was... Uh... Sad, but funny. Sad and rather <laughs> cruel, actually, actually, don't you yeah. think? Yeah, I wonder if she was alive when that term came around. Wow. The Queen Anne style, a bow-legged woman. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. That's, yeah. a, again, another misogynistic kind of thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, you betcha. Why did the Chinese set up the first universities? Uh, this got some school questions here. Yeah. Uh, well. What were they studying? They had lots of leisure. <laughs> <laughs> uh why did they set up universities? Yeah, what were they set up for? What were they set up to teach? Probably the dynasties. Something about the history. Yeah. Yeah, I would think that, or engineering. Yeah. No, they gave instruction to students in literature. The purpose was to prepare youngsters for a civil service exams. Now, this was 2,000 years before Christ. Well, oh, my God, before Christ? Yeah, Christ in yeah. 2000 B.C.? Yeah, the first universities set up to study literature in China. That's, I thought that was pretty interesting. That is. I had no idea. Okay. I have a question for you. Now, um, we all know crocodiles and alligators, very similar kinds of animals yeah. in our minds, right? Yes. There are many species of crocodiles, but there are only two countries in the world where there are alligators. What are those two countries? America. Yeah, the United States. And I'll say along the Amazon. Brazil? Uh-huh, South America. Brazil is wrong. <laughs> you love that. Such gusto you say that. Way. No, there are many species of crocodiles all over the world, but only two species of alligators left, and one is the American alligator. Uh-huh. The other is the Chinese. Really? Yeah, they're the only two countries where you find them living naturally. American alligators live throughout the South. They can grow up to 11 feet longer, longer. Uh, while Chinese alligators can only grow to about five feet in length, and they're found in a small area around the Yangtze River yeah. Basin. Yeah. Now, there's only one place in the world where you will find alligators and crocodiles together. Everglades. The south tip of Florida. Yeah, the, it's the Everglades. only place they're together. They don't really overlap very much. Uh-huh. Quite interesting. Yeah, quite ugly, too. Yeah. Man, if you look at a map of the United States where you find alligators, man, you start in East Texas and go all the way through North Carolina, all the states down there, that whole area is full of alligators. And oh. then parts of Arkansas and Oklahoma have alligators as well. Jeez, which is why you never want to take a walk down by the river. But again, at the southern tip of Florida, that's the only place on Earth where you'll find both alligators and crocodiles. I, uh, that's very surprising to me. Okay, Bob. Mr. Presidential History Man, you'll probably guess this right away. What president gave all his political earnings over the course of 40 years to charity, including his wages and pension? 40 years he was in office? Different political Oh, different offices. political. Well, John Kennedy did that with his. He did? Yeah, he gave his presidential salary up. That was nice. But was this FDR? No. Who was it? Herbert Hoover. No kidding. Yeah, he was independently wealthy and had been a financier. Well, I knew that Herbert Hoover was, uh, he was a famous man. In fact, Herbert Hoover was in charge, I think I've mentioned this before, when World War I uh, had ended and all the nations of Europe were in dire straits. He was the man who headed up the plan for the Allies to feed Europe, just like the Marshall Plan yeah, in World yeah. War II. Herbert Hoover did that. So he was very well known. He was a very interesting man, and not a good president, but a very brilliant uh, engineer. Uh -huh. He wrote books, uh -huh. wealthy. Yeah, very wealthy. Just couldn't run a country, apparently. <laughs>
Okay. Go ahead. You got one? I've got some uh, questions on states today. Oh, yay. I thought they'd be kind of fun. Uh-huh. What European capital was New York City originally named after? York. No. Originally. Original name wasn't oh, New York. no, no. It was. It was. What was it? It was still new. It was new something, but not, not new. Not New Brunswick. That's up in no. Canada, mm-hmm. right? Uh, new. I've seen it. I've read it, and I forgot it. It's New Amsterdam. That's it. Yeah, it was named (laughs) after the Dutch because that was a Dutch colony originally. Okay. But then in 1664, an English naval squadron came in, and they took over, and it became New York. Okay, one more question. What state's name means Great River in the Ojibwe language? Ojibwe. Great River. Great River. Oregon? Nope. Wisconsin? No. (laughs) Pennsylvania? Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah, the root of the word Mississippi begins with Mississippi, a French interpretation (laughs) of the Native American term Mississippi, M-I-S-I-Z-I-I-B-I, which translates into Great River. Well, let's take a break and we'll be back in just a moment. Okay. You're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. Okay, we're back with The Off-Ramp, Bob and Marsha Smith. Okay, now here's another university question. Okay. What great university was founded because a king quarreled with a saint? <laughs> a saint? Yes. Oh, dear. A okay. person who was later turned into a saint. Okay. Yes. King argued with a saint, and they got what? They got a university out of it? What great university was founded because a king quarreled with a saint? Okay, well, uh, and where is This is the- English, English history. Is it in? Is it Oxford? That's exactly right. Aha! Uh-huh. Yeah, Oxford in England. Henry II feuded with Archbishop Thomas Becket, and when the King of France defended Becket, Henry was incensed. So he ordered <laughs> all the English students home from the University of Paris. Oh, really? Was, that was one of the first universities in the world. Was the really? University of Paris? Yeah. I didn't know that. Most of those students settled at Oxford, and they decided to start a university of their own. So that goes way, way back over a thousand wow. years ago. So Oxford was one of the first universities in the world. Yes. Wow. But the University of Paris was before that. And I think there was one in Italy before that as well. Higher learning. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'd be curious to know what was the very first university. In we'll the get world. to that later. Oh, really? Oh, sure. Another question I don't know. <laughs> Not today, but we'll get to that. I've got that oh. answer. Okay, go ahead. I do have another question on India. Okay. Okay. What government policy led ancient doctors in India to pioneer a form of plastic surgery? What government policy led ancient doctors in India to pioneer a form of plastic surgery? Oh, something about maybe some kind of disfigurement? That's exactly right. It was mutilation of the noses. That was actually a official punishment for offenses like adultery. Really? And, yeah. Oh, Lord. And doctors in ancient India became skilled at creating new noses for people whose real noses had been mutilated. Oh. Isn't that interesting? Oh. They would cut triangular pieces of skin from the patient's forehead and sew the graft in place, and the patient breathed through reeds placed in the nostrils. So that was very early plastic surgery, and the Indians, Indian doctors, pioneered it because of a government policy of official punishment for adultery. Wow, nose jobs have been around a long time. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, here's one. Why is an enlisted army man called a GI? Government issue. That was the uh, term that was used for uh, materials primarily. Yes, because army men and women 
wear government-issue uniforms in the abbreviation sprung up as a catchphrase after World War I. Originally, it was a reference to the impersonality of the army, and it was an expression of contempt for government property. I'm just a government issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then it just became GI, you know. And that wasn't negative when it eventually became GI. Right. World War I, it was. By World War II, they were proud. Okay, I have a multiple-choice question for you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this is an interesting site called Travel Trivia, and they have a lot of interesting stuff. And this is a question. What does the African dung beetle use to navigate at night? Dung. No. Now, I've given you a multiple choice. You want to know the answers? Yes, please. It could be the scent of food, the Milky Way galaxy, <laughs> their tongues, or elevation. Their tongues. Their tongues are used. That's how they navigate at night. Yes. No, believe it or not, it's the Milky Way. <laughs> it's the Milky Way. Give me a break. Why, no. How does that work? They are the only non-human creatures known to navigate using the Milky Way galaxy, and scientists tested their navigational abilities in an experiment where certain beetles had to wear hats that blocked the stars, while others wore clear hats. Well, the dung beetles that could see the stars got where they needed to go. And who made the hats? I don't know. It's a tiny little hat. I mean, imagine getting that job. Okay, your job, uh, Jim, is to make little hats for the dung beetles. Just so you know, dung beetles are considered some of the strongest known insects in the world. Really? Capable of moving up to 50 times their body weight. Wow. This is from National Geographic. Okay, Bob. You're a, not only a presidential aficionado, you are a beetle aficionado. I just am a fan, yeah. <laughs> Do you know the name of the band Ringo Starr left to join the Beatles? Yes, Rory Storm and the Hurricanes. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I mean it, really. I thought for sure you wouldn't have a clue. And you, and this, when I found it, it had three different choices. Oh, really? And okay. just to get you this one, no, I, I didn't give you multiple choices. I remembered that because there were a lot of funny British band names with, uh, you know, Ferocious This and all of that uh -huh. and Rory Storm and the Hurricanes. <laughs> you can't forget that. Okay. What was the original name of the Beatles? that John Lennon had. What was the original name of the group? You're asking me? Yeah, I'm asking you. I do not. Before they were the Beatles, they were the... Journeymen. Quarrymen, then the Silver Beatles. Journeymen, that sounds like a 50s group or yes, something. It, I think a folk group, probably. I, I, yeah, They're I think Working their way across the country. So they were the Silver Beatles? Mm -hmm. What made them get rid of the silver? I don't know. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Which state's capital has the longest name? Which U.S. state capital has the longest Tallahassee? Name? Now, that's what I would have thought. I would have thought it was Tallahassee. But it's not. I might have thought it was Indianapolis. Yeah. I might have thought it was Salt Lake City or uh. Oklahoma City. But no, if you count the number of letters, Jefferson City, oh, Missouri, is you... the longest with 13 letters. Okay. And guess who laid out Jefferson City, Missouri? Daniel Boone. Really? Yeah. He laid it out. It was named after the third president and co-author of the Declaration of Independence, Thomas Jefferson. But Jefferson City, Missouri, is longer in spelling than Tallahassee, okay. Florida. Well, if you include the city. Well, it's part of its name. Yeah, okay. I'll Jefferson City. Okay, I'll go along with it, Bob. Okay, glad you finally okay. go along with that. Okay, all right, all right. Here's one. One more Beatle question. Okay. Can you name any of the top three Beatle songs that John Lennon hated the most. Obladi Oblada might be no. one. They all hated that because... Did they? 
Paul made them do that over and over and over again. No, I don't know what words did he hate. Uh, this one I don't know. Run for your life. Oh, really? Okay. How does that go? Well, that was his song too, I believe. You better run for your life if you can, little girl. Find oh, yeah? your head in the sand, little okay. girl. And the other two I know. Lovely. Catch you with another man, little girl. It's okay. a real misogynistic kind of song. Okay. Because of the little? No, just talking about the woman like he owned her or something. I see. I think Yoko caused him to realize how ugly that song was. Oh, all right. Lovely Rita. Oh, he didn't like that, huh? Lovely and, Rita, meter maid. And uh, When I'm 64, that was Paul, wasn't yes. it? He didn't like that because he said that was Paul's old lady music or old... <laughs> I think they called it granny music. <laughs> Boy, he hated Paul's love songs and his uh, granny music. And huh? Paul wrote that in when he was 14 years old. Oh, that's why you still need me. Yeah. Why you still bleep. That's cute. I didn't know that. I didn't know he was 14. Granny well, music, yeah. Yeah, so you didn't get any. Okay, go ahead. What? <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> okay, you might find this interesting. Which state capital has the highest elevation? Denver. That's what I would have thought, too. The Mile High yep, City, Denver, yep, right? Yep, 5,280 yep. feet above? But no, okay. No, it's oh, so not. Is it in Alaska? Is no. It, okay. The choices were Juneau, Alaska, Denver, Colorado, Sacramento, California, and Santa Fe, New Mexico. All right. I'll say Sacramento. No. <laughs> so I got all three, three of them wrong. Out of four. Three out of four wrong. No. <laughs> no. Sorry, Marcia. It is, believe it or not, Santa Fe. I've been to Santa Fe. I didn't feel high. I know. Oh, I thought that was strange, up. too. But it is 7,198 feet above sea level, and it lies in the Sangre de Cristo foothills of the Southern Rockies. Have you ever been there? Oh, yeah. I've been there. I like it there. It's also one of the oldest cities in North America. Yeah. It was founded between 1607 and 1610, which makes it the oldest capital city. Uh-huh. And, of course, features all that beautiful Pueblo architecture. But, yeah, it is 7,198 feet above sea level. So move over Mile High City. I'll be danged. Santa Fe is the state capital with the highest elevation. Huh. I had no idea. I was surprised at that, too. Well, sometimes it's good to see where is the youngest and the oldest thing in your universe. So I'm going to ask you this, Marcia. All right. Where is the oldest continually standing wooden structure in the United States? It's, oh, it's a structure. It's not like the tree in California, the redwood. You're talking it's a about. wooden structure, something well, built by human beings, Marcia. Okay. Well, okay. What, were those trees built by human beings? No, God did it. All right. Okay, so where is the oldest continually oh, standing? Is it in St. Augustine, Florida? No, it's not. Okay. Good, I... good answer, but that's not the answer <laughs> okay. I'm looking for. Fine. It's called the Fairbanks House, and it was a home of a family in Dedham, Massachusetts for 260 years the oldest timber-framed structure in the U.S. It's a museum. You can go into it. And the uh, family was from Yorkshire, England, Jonathan and Grace Fairbanks and their six children. And then they expanded it and added a workshop and wings as their family grew. And it served eight generations. Yes. I bet you'd like to go visit it. I you? would like to. Yeah. Let me know how it is. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> so it's a museum listed on the National Register of Historic Places, built in 1637. Wow. 1637, yeah. it still stands. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, as we all know, Lyndon Baines Johnson loved his initials. Yes, he did. <laughs> uh, can you name the other four LBJs in the family? What? The other four LBJs? Mm -hmm. You mean people? Yeah. Well, there's Lady Bird Johnson. Correct. Linda Baines Johnson. It was actually Linda Bird Johnson. Linda Bird Johnson, okay. And? I don't know. Lucy. Lucy Baines Johnson. Right. So who's the fourth, you say? 
Little Beagle Johnson. Oh, <laughs> a dog. That was the other LBJ. Yeah, the one he lifted up by the ears oh, all the time. That dear. was uh, LBJ, Little Beagle Johnson. Oh, this gosh, that's terrible. <laughs> that's so funny. Okay. I've got one for you. Do you know that there is an African city that's famous for its penguin population? What city? An African city. Africa? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, I always think of penguins and I'm thinking of the Arctic or something, yes, right? Yes, yes. But um, Cape Town. Where did they come from? Well, there's an indigenous penguin population. The African penguin likes to soak up the sun, and it's the only species of penguin that lives in Africa. Huh. It's known for its distinctive braying sound. There are more than 3,000 of them that can be found at Boulders Beach in Cape Town. Must be a must be a very noisy place. Never thought of uh, penguins coming from Africa, but Cape Town, South Africa, that's where there are a whole bunch of them. I've got one for you. What state capital features a full-scale replica of the Parthenon? The Greek Parthenon. It's not a capital? The city is a capital. Oh, okay. But Uh, it has a full-scale replica of the Parthenon. Athens, Georgia? No. That that makes sense. Athens, Georgia, Yeah. yeah. But no, it's not. Nashville. Really? Nashville, Tennessee. It's a replica that was built in 1897 for the Tennessee Centennial Exposition and was intended to be a temporary exhibit, but they were kind of calling Nashville the Athens of the South at the time. Oh. And that was so popular, it was restored several times. It's now an art museum and a venue for city events. Huh. That That's probably very cool as an art center. Yes, yes. Do you remember... Spanish dictator Generalissimo Franco, Bob? Oh, yes, Francisco Franco. He's still dead, right? Yes, we were talking about that the other day. <laughs> you Just to give people an idea what that means, you have to explain it. You can't just well, say Well, it that. was a running gag on Saturday Night Live. The year he was seven. dying. Every day there were more bulletins on the TV news about his condition, and it went on and on. So the Saturday Night Live did a gag after that as soon as he passed away. Uh-huh. And they said, this just in, yeah. Generalissimo Francisco Franco is still dead. Yeah, <laughs> and we all laughed every time. And the only reason people laughed about that was because Franco was a dictator who had a bad reputation. He Otherwise, was not a nice man. Right. But he had a funny deathbed quote. <laughs> oh, really? He did? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you got something he said? Yes. He actually, when he died, he ended one of Europe's longest dictatorships from 1939 to 1975. So his uh, deathbed quote, actually, he's talking on his deathbed with his daughter back and forth, his last words. And he says to his daughter, what is the noise? His daughter says, it's the people outside. He says, what are they doing? Daughter, they've come to say goodbye. Him, why? Where are they going? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's you, Dad. Oh, dear. That's that's sad and funny at the same time. (laughs) Oh, I thought that was hilarious. Okay. Uh, we, if you'd like to submit a question to Marsha or to me for us to pose to the other person, you can do so by going to our website, theofframp.show. And scroll down to Contact Us. And then you can leave your name, the question, the answer, where you got it from, and uh, where you're listening from. We'd like to know that. Yes, I would love to know where you're from. Okay. That's all the trivia we have for today. I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marsha Smith. Join us again next time when we return with The, the Off Ramp. The Off-Ramp is produced in association with CPL Radio Online and the Cedarbrook Public Library, Cedarbrook, Wisconsin.